The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. There have been more warnings about the dangers of illegal drugs in the Edmonton area. They come after more than a dozen deaths in the Edmonton area related to carfentanil. During the last week of May and the first week of June, there were 16 deaths where carfentanil was identified. 14 of those were in the Edmonton zone. Two were north of the city. This is the second warning HS has issued about opioid-related emergencies in the last couple of weeks. Now, earlier this month, HS warned of a spike in opioid-related emergencies, particularly in the Edmonton area. You'll remember we talked about that uh, earlier this month. So what's going on and, and what can you do to help? Well, to find out, we're joined by Dr. Elaine Heshka, who is an assistant professor at the University of Alberta School of Public Health and the scientific director of the Inner City Health and Wellness Program at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, How alarming is it uh, for you to hear about this this really dramatic increase in um, the opioid-related deaths over the past couple of months? And I specifically then want to get into carfentanil because that's a whole other ball of wax, but this must be quite alarming. Uh, Indeed, yeah, it's very alarming. I think, um, you know, for the past few quarters, we've been seeing... uh, steady kind of decline in overdoses and uh, during COVID now we've seen a sharp increase in emergencies and that is certainly something that um, everyone's watching very closely. So so what do you think is going on here? Is it directly related to the pandemic? Is it um, uh, is it the supply? Is it bad supply? Is it people not being able to get their 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 regular um, their regular stuff? What's going on here? Um, I think there's a lot of different factors that are potentially at play, and certainly we don't have like strong research, mm-hmm. uh, you know, showing the me- specific mechanisms. But you know, um, internationally there has been reports of disruptions in illegal drug supplies, and so yeah. that's likely to um, change what's available on local markets and lead to people using substances that they're less familiar with. Um, yeah. Additionally, when we think about COVID-19, it's been such a major disruption to everybody's lives that it's not surprising to see um, potentially that people are losing some of their social supports that um, may have been yes. facilitating their recovery and you know, may be experiencing returns to substance use that are then putting them at extreme risk. Because we know once someone's had a period of abstinence from drugs, if they return yeah. to drugs, um, their tolerance has gone down and they're at extreme risk of an overdose death. Yeah, and, and Dr. Hashka, I think that's one of the things that, um, you know, is, has been talked about a little bit over the past uh, few months. But for those of uh, for those folks who were in recovery as we went into this pandemic, um, it, 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 it must have been even more difficult. I mean, recovery is, is a huge challenge to begin with, but even more difficult with the social isolation, maybe not being able to get to meetings, not being able to have that support network. Um, that, that has to be worrisome as well for a lot of folks. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, frontline healthcare providers and uh, different treatment programs are doing what they can to continue to connect with their uh, clients and with their patients and to support them as best they can. But this has been, you know, a significant event and, and, you know, in many ways, 
no one was really fully prepared <laughs> to deal with the magnitude yeah. of it. And so I think people are still scrambling. Um, it's been encouraging to see, though, that there has been a lot of adaptation in the sector. But, you know, a lot of people also rely just on informal supports from friends and family. And, you know, I think all of us are, or many of us are seeing our loved ones less than usual. And um, over time, you know, that is going to take a toll, right, not having that support. Yeah, and you know what, Doctor, uh, over the past three months doing interviews with all sorts of different uh, people from all different sectors, they've all said that this this pandemic, while it's been a real, uh, obviously a huge challenge on so many levels, it is an opportunity to look at maybe moving ahead with um, some best case practices and, and, and learning from what we've gone through and, and, and adapting and making things better, making programs better, making services better, making support better. Do you think that we're going to see it on this front as well when it comes to uh, helping people and, um, you know, um, who are either using or who are in recovery um, in the years to come? Like, what can we learn from this moving forward? I, I really hope it does. I think, um, you know, we are, everyone is kind of anticipating that there will be some long lasting impacts in terms of mental health and substance use and addiction uh, from COVID, you know, whether that be through the kind of the short term shocks of the pandemic or mm-hmm. through kind of longer um, challenges with unemployment and financial strain that will weigh on people. And so it is. Um, encouraging to see different at different levels and you know certainly with the provincial government there are discussions around further investments in the sector um, to yeah. try and uh, deal with what's going to be likely an increase in demand for care and for services um, and I think too I would really hope that the ex- extreme kind of spike here we're seeing around overdose and just the alarming number of EMS calls and deaths related to carfentanil would, addi- would prompt some additional um you know, investment or potentially some additional new collaborations that could get a handle on what we're seeing and try to bring down the death rate. Because, uh, you know, in Alberta and in British Columbia, overdose has become so severe that it is actually yeah. contributing to declines in life expectancy. And wow. so it's a, it's a longstanding epidemic that we've been dealing with. And I'm hopeful that... Um, that it, the conversations around COVID-19 will include also conversations around the intersection with the overdose epidemic and how we can all be more effective in preventing um, morbidity and mortality. I had first heard about uh, carfentanil about five or six years ago. Believe it, I was watching a, a, a documentary series that my husband and I used to enjoy. I think it was called Drugs Un- in- Incorporated. And they had talked about carfentanil at that time. And I can remember um, getting into contact with some of my um, police uh, friends here in the city and was asking, you know, have you heard about anything about carfentanil at that time? Absolutely not. But here we are mm-hmm. dealing with a number of overdoses uh, from carfentanil, and if I remember correctly, Doctor, carfentanil is originally used as a tranquilizer for large animals. It is even more, like, a hundred times more potent than fentanyl, and that is a, a, an extremely potent drug itself. I mean, that has got to be worrisome for those on the front lines. Yeah, I have to say, too, that um, this is not the first time Alberta's encountered carfentanil. Like, I think it yeah. is a relatively 
the Edmonton zone is definitely seeing an increase in car rental and circulation, which is, you know, uh, I would say that generally speaking, Edmonton area has been um, more spared from it than like Southern mm-hmm. Alberta or the Calgary zone, okay. which in the in past years have had um, more car fentanyl related deaths. But, you know, there's a lot of research on how illegal drug markets operate and um, the public, you know, the unintended consequences of sort of um, different models of drug law enforcement. And what we do know is that, um, it's unfortunately, um, there appear, it appears that as we crack down on certain substances like diverted prescription opioids, for example, or um, fentanyl, uh, the illegal markets tend to respond with um, even more uh, highly toxic drugs because generally yeah. speaking, the more potent a drug is, um, the smaller amount you need to import yes. and uh, the easier it is to uh, avoid uh, interdiction. Hmm, interesting. I, I wanted to ask you about a report out of Calgary today. I, I saw that you had retweeted it out of your Twitter account today, but there was uh, a study from the University of Calgary saying that the Calgary supervised consumption site there is saving the province money since the site opened in 2018, that it has helped save over $2.3 million. And I know there's still a lot of controversy, or a lot, it might not be the right word, there's still some controversy around supervised consumption sites. We're still seeing it here. We know the province is still looking into what it plans to do on on that front for those who can't or having difficulty wrapping their heads around how supervised consumption sites help save the province money can you outline it for them sure so um supervised consumption services provide a monitored environment where people bring pre-obtained illegal drugs to use under the supervision of health professionals and um essentially people take their substances and then if they encounter a medical event like an overdose, they're able to receive on the spot an immediate medical attention. And so that's going to reduce the likelihood that somebody would suffer negative consequences from the addiction or from the overdose, such as um, like a brain injury from um, being deprived of oxygen. And it's also going to avert the need to call for um, EMS and for that person to be, see, be seen in a hospital or emergency department. And so, uh, Supervised social services, because they're providing immediate attention, are um, reducing the need for health care and reducing costs associated with that overdose. So it's interesting today that uh, uh, Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, uh, Jason Luan, uh, said in response to that, while they appreciate the research that was done in this study out of Calgary, um, that the impact on the community in terms of safety, needle debris and increased crime goes far beyond the cost of ambulance rides and hospital care. Um, What do you say to that response? You know, the consumption site studies have been going into the impact on the communities around them. What do you say to, to his comment on that? I can't speak to the specific remarks because um, I didn't see them. But uh, what I know okay. from the experience in Edmonton is that um, the EPS have reported that crime in the area of the supervised consumption services, uh, there, we have three located in the community here, has decreased since they've been implemented and that calls for service are down. So um, at least from Edmonton's experience, I would say uh, it's, unlikely that those uh, services are contributing increased costs in other areas of the system and that um, generally speaking you know it hasn't been formally evaluated but we have like dozens of studies in the scientific literature that generally have found supervised substance services to be cost effective and so the study from the University of Calgary is just adding to um, what we already know. 
Dr. Elaine Heschke joining us this afternoon. She is assistant professor at the University of Alberta School of Public Health and the scientific director of the Inner City Health and Wellness Program at the Royal Alexandra Hospital. We wanted to have a conversation with her based on the fact there are more and more warnings about the dangers of illegal drugs in uh, the Edmonton area. There, Those follow more than a dozen deaths in the Edmonton area related to carfentanil. And then earlier this month, there were other ones um, related to other opioid-related deaths as well. Doctor, I I had a text that came in, and I I wanted you to address it. And it says, more deaths just mean injection sites aren't working. What do you say to that? Because I don't Um, think these deaths are happening in injection sites. So I think there's two factors at play here. Uh, The first is that um, we know just from epidemiological research and review of medical charts uh, from the medical examiner's office that the vast majority of people who are dying of overdose are dying at home alone. And so um, we need all the tools we have to um, prevent people who are going to take drugs from using alone because that is a very high risk situation mm-hmm. uh, where no one's around for to call for help or provide assistance. Second, during COVID um, across the country and certainly here in Alberta, there has been a significant decrease in the number of people accessing supervised consumption services. So numbers are way down in terms of daily visits across the province. And I do think that that is potentially one of the reasons we're seeing an increase in EMS calls and uh. potentially an increase in deaths because people are not able or not, they're either not willing to go out and access the SCS because they are concerned about contracting COVID or um, all the SCSs have had to put in place physical distancing measures um, that has significantly reduced their capacity to operate. And so I think that those factors are also um, potentially contributing to some of the trends we're seeing. Naloxone kits, I think at first uh, there might have been uh, some stigma around uh, around those and maybe asking for one. But I think we're, we're starting to see more and more people saying, you know, even though, you know, I don't use drugs, I, I don't, you know, all of those things, but are, are thinking for, for safety, whether it's in a car, whether it's at home, whatever it is. Would you urge people to have one of those kits on hand even if they don't sure so i always say that if you are somebody that uh, lives or works in an area where you're likely to encounter someone who's been using uh, illegal drugs then i think it's always a good idea to have it with you um you know i do a lot of research in edmonton uh Mm -hmm. downtown and inner city area and because of that i do always carry a naloxone kit because you never know when you may come across someone that needs um emergency first aid and you know to be able to provide that first aid i think and and be equipped to do that is very comforting and 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 how can you learn how where can you get the training to do that so Alberta actually has one of the largest and most extensive and in my opinion most successful (laughs) naloxone programs Uh, we have over a thousand sites that distribute naloxone kits and that's in places like HS clinics um, all the hospital emergency departments Uh, there's kits available through uh, harm reduction service providers um, as well as through many like hundreds of pharmacies across the province and they're they are listed online so if you um, google alberta naloxone you'll be able to find the website and it details where you can pick up the kit and um, when you're provided with a kit it's free of charge and it does include uh, training and instructions on how to respond to an overdose and how to recognize mm. one 
Interesting stuff. All right. Well, it's worth uh, having the conversation, that's for sure. Dr. Heshka, I really appreciate your time today and your insight uh, on, on this topic. Thank you so much on this Friday afternoon. Thank you. I appreciate you covering this important issue. Take care now. Dr. Elaine Hishka joining us this afternoon. Yeah, I don't know how the conversation came up the other day, but we, my husband and I started talking about, you know, maybe we should just get a couple and have maybe one in, in the vehicle, one at home. And, and, and again, I, I don't often, you know, knowingly know anyone who, um, who uh, abuses uh, or who uses uh, opioids but then again, you just never know, right? And so sometimes I think it's better safe than story. You tuck it away in a closet somewhere and you, you know how to, you know you have it in case it's needed. And sometimes that's just a little bit of cold comfort there.